Welcome to My Fertility Journey, Life Chats with Bianca Bullissian. Hello and welcome back to the show. I cannot believe that it's end of March, which means it's end of Ando Awareness Month, although I will still sprinkle all of my seasons with some Ando Warriors because I do feel that we do need to raise those voices and share those stories. Today, our Ando Warrior is Kiana. She has an amazing account on Instagram. It's endo.metris.osis, endometriosis, and with the dots there in the middle. And she is a young woman. She is 24, but she has so much knowledge of what her body is going through and a lot of the technicalities behind the disease. So it was very a very pleasant conversation, but also very educational. So I hope that you guys can like take little nuggets from this chat. She is from BC in Canada, a small town called um, Dawson Creek, which really took me back. Who remembers Dawson's Creek? I remember watching it as a teenager with my mom. Good times. Anyways, um, Kiana was a joy to talk to, so make sure you take a look at the notes of the episode, follow her on Instagram, and all the other information that we talked about that is important for you guys to follow and educate yourselves is there too. And I will see you on the other side. Hello, Kiana. Welcome to the show. And thank you so, so much for agreeing to sit with me to share your story on the pretty much the very last day of March 2021, which is Endo Awareness Month. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yes, I'm excited too to get to know more about your story. For the little bit that you shared with me, you've been through a lot and you have a lot of experience with what you're dealing with and also with sharing your your story and trying to bring awareness into this um, condition. So I would like to start with you sharing a little bit, just a little bit about yourself that you would like to share with the listeners and then going a bit into how was reproductive health or sexual education introduced to you as a um, young girl? Yeah, well, I am currently 24. I, um, I grew up in a tiny, tiny town in Northern BC. So yeah, it was just, it was a little bit different than growing up in a city. Uh, I grew up figure skating. I met a lot of friends here and the community is just really small. So everyone kind of knows each other. Um, I also sang, um, I got to sing for multiple different events. Uh, so I've, wow. I've definitely been in the spotlight in my mm. little community quite a bit. And then after I graduated high school, I did a lot of traveling because I didn't know what I wanted to go to university for. Uh, initially, I wanted to do kinesiology uh, to help people with sports injuries uh, mm. because I had a lot of injuries growing up <laughs> as well as my endo experience. 
Um, but then I, I traveled and I, I've gone to 26 countries so far. Um, yeah, amazing. And I had just the most amazing experiences and I decided that that's what I wanted to do. That was my passion. If I can make a living out of traveling and helping others travel, um, I just, it just excited me. So, um, that's kind of where I ended up. I decided to go to university in Vancouver and I go to Capilano University there and I'm taking tourism management. I'm in my third year. I'll go into my fourth year uh, in September. And in the meantime, I took my coaching for figure skating. So I got to take a lot of different courses. They've helped me in real life as well. I think mm-hmm. that figure skating definitely um, shaped who I am and taught me, you know, everything that I kind of know and the way I am with helping others. That's excellent. And I, yeah, I understand that being a former dancer and having that background, I understand how it does shape you. Something that you do from when you're little and you grow up and the discipline, the community feel, the training, all of that sort of guides you or, or shapes you as a person yeah it's really it's really cool so you're such you're such a versatile just like personality I love it the traveling yeah. and the sort of the the sports athletic part and yeah and coming from a small town and living in a bigger town so there's lots of experience there I just find it's amazing that you've been to 26 you've been to more countries than than years you've lived so <laughs> that's that pretty was- cool Yeah, that was always my goal. I was always thinking to myself, I want to make sure that the countries that I visited is always higher than my age. That's like my goal. Um, And there's been a couple times where I've been less than but I I make up for it. I have a couple years to travel. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty cool. Yeah, hopefully you won't get too... um two behind with with the pandemic and COVID and all that. Yeah, it's putting me back. Yes, yes. So yeah, so talking about the the reproductive health and sexual education and all that, um, sort of understanding how as um, women, how our reproductive health works and what you might expect, you know, getting your period, etc. Like, did you do you remember how that was introduced to you? Yeah, so I remember the when you when you asked me this question, I was very um, I wanted to write down everything that I kind of went through, because I went to a private Catholic school, so they're a little bit different. They're allowed to teach different things and leave certain things out just because of religion. So I remember the first time that I was ever introduced to reproductive uh, health was actually in grade two. So I would have been about seven years old. And it was just my teacher showing us uh, different genitalia. And that's all we that's all we knew until grade six. Grade six, uh, they kind of taught us about periods, but not to the extent that anybody felt comfortable with it. Um, And then again, in grade 10, it was more about sexual health and uh, just making sure that kids weren't getting pregnant, I guess. Um, And that was kind of what I felt the focus was on. It wasn't really on the health aspect. It was stopping teen pregnancy, which Mm -hmm. I guess is really important, of course. Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, but I, I was really lucky. I grew up with an amazing mom. She was in a time where periods weren't really talked about to her Mm -hmm. uh, by school or parents. And I think that that is quite 
uh, common for that age, but she was amazing. She didn't want me to go through the same experience that she did. Uh, so she helped me along the whole way. I never felt uncomfortable going to her or asking her questions. She helped me everywhere with it. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I like that. I like to know sort of because there's so many different experiences, right? Yeah. And even in, in, in the same sort of system, let's say Catholic schools in different places or different countries, areas, it's yeah. always going to be a little bit different or different generations as well, right? So yeah, thanks for sharing that. It seemed like you have like huge gaps, right? Second grade, sixth grade, 10th grade. There was never like a, an ongoing sort of year after year, different stages and different things to, to talk about. So yeah, I hope that we're moving forward into better ways. And like you said, the health, I that struck me a lot, the word, right? We sometimes say, yeah, sexual education, I guess it's what they call it. Um, sometimes it doesn't feel like much education at all. And it's definitely not really talking about health. So yeah, hopefully we'll start changing that with a bit more awareness. So let's go into, you know, when you started having symptoms and how did you find out or suspect maybe that you had endo and how that that went down for you? Yeah, well, I think it's quite similar to a lot of people who experience pain with endometriosis. There's always, there has always been something wrong, whether that, you know, you thought it might have been an upset stomach at the time, or you just were kind of confused because these were new symptoms you were experiencing. And I kind of had that. I had that since day one of my period. Mm -hmm. um, and unlike a lot of people, I I can't remember when I got my period, um, which is so weird, but I think it's just because of the amount that I've dealt with since yeah. then. Um, it definitely was early uh, on, probably like 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. um, and I did have pain since day one. Again, this is normal. People have pain with periods. Um, that's what you're told. And to an extent, of course, but not to the extent of missing school, missing sports, that kind of thing. Um, Eventually, I was hospitalized near Thanksgiving of, I don't even know, I think 2012, around there. Um, I couldn't eat because I was in so much pain. I lost so much weight uh, that I was malnutrition. Nutrition? Yeah, <laughs> malnourished. Mal nourished. nourished. I think malnourished. Mal <laughs> That's okay. English I, I, is not my first language. I'm not judging anyone. <laughs> well, it is mine. And apparently I'm not good at it. Um, yeah, so I, I went in there and actually the doctor that saw me, he said, I think that you might have endometriosis. And that was mm -hmm. the first time that I heard the word, of course. Um, so I, I was laying in the hospital bed with IV and just not sure what was going on, scared, didn't know what endometriosis was. Uh, my mom didn't know what endometriosis was. And, you know, we left the hospital eventually just with this new information. Like, what do you do with that? What is this? How do I help myself? Um, and eventually we went to the, my, my normal doctor and he got us into a local gynecologist. And this gynecologist, uh, he was, he was really great. He was very nice. Um, he recognized that I had a lot of cysts going on. Um, and this was in high school. Um, so I went on a whole bunch of different kinds of birth control. Um, 
you know, trying different doses, trying, uh, taking them straight and without a break Mm -hmm. and nothing really worked. Um, and the one thing he did tell me was, you know, we can do surgery. You're quite young. Um, I would rather not, but if you want to, we can do surgery. And of course I had no idea, you know, who should be dealing with endometriosis. This is a local gynecologist in a town of 10,000 people. This is not the person that should be dealing with my endometriosis. But um, eventually, after many hospital visits, my my surgery date got pushed up and I was able to get the surgery. Um, They unfortunately did the surgery and he said he didn't find anything. But when you look at the reports that I now have gotten, it's clear that there was some beginning signs of endometriosis. Even from my perspective reading it, you can tell. Um, you know, oh, there's no intro- endometriosis, but there is tons of adhesions, there is redness, there's lesions. Mm. So, you know, this is just <laughs> someone who probably wasn't, uh, shouldn't have been doing the surgery. Yeah. So that was really hard. That put me back as well because, you know, people around you are telling you, oh, well, you should be happy you don't have endometriosis. And I'm thinking in my head, I do have endometriosis. I have all the symptoms. I might just be too young to have had the surgery and maybe they didn't see it. Um, But, you know, being told that over and over again, even by the gynecologist, by your GPs, um, it's really damaging to your mental health. Um, So eventually I had a colonoscopy because they thought, well, maybe it's IBS or Crohn's. Um, And it came back inconclusive as well. Um, And then I went on insane amount of birth control, um, Mm. just like the highest dose constantly because I was going traveling and we just wanted to suppress my symptoms as much as we could. Um, yeah. And I, I went on this trip to Europe and I was by myself. I was 18 years old and I was having some scary, scary symptoms. I, I didn't know what I, what I was going through. Um, I didn't know who to talk to about it. I couldn't talk to anybody I was traveling with, I felt. And I didn't know what was going on with my body. So when I got home, I was super, super uh, diligent and went right to the GP and said, you know what, whatever this gynecologist is doing, I, I don't really feel comfortable. Unfortunately, he ended up retiring because of some medical stuff on his own. So I lost my gynecologist. Um, And then my GP started treating me for endometriosis. So yeah, yeah. that was, that was hard. Um, He, he gave me the depot shot, which actually worked for a little bit and then it stopped Mm. working. And this kind of seems to be like a common occurrence for my health is that I'm having something work for a little bit. I tell the doctor, this is great. It's working. And then it just goes and it doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. And, and this happens with medications for pain. It happens with, uh, different hormones that I've tried. Um, and it's just, it's really disheartening. So I went to a specialist eventually, um, in Vancouver and I was flying back and forth um, and it's a two hour flight or a Mm. 13 hour drive. So it is quite far. Yeah. yeah, And I went to him for three years and again, they didn't want to do surgery. They just 
put me through pain management seminars and got me talking to a counselor and things like that and put me on all sorts of different hormones. And I just was sick of it. I wanted to find somebody who would do the excision surgery. So yeah, I found a gynecologist there and, um, she, she was really great. She listened to me, but again, not someone certified completely in surgery. And I didn't really quite feel comfortable with letting her perform the surgery. So I decided to look for um, a new gynecologist and I did find one and I've been referred to one in Toronto and that's kind of where we're sitting. (laughs) Okay. Wow. So it's like, you hard to count how many people you've been, um, treated and by right so yeah. many one after the other it is challenging when you're in a small town the 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 care the specialists that you need and whatnot it's it's tough that way but I'm, I'm glad that you're in a better situation now um, if we can go back and just unpack a few different things because it's like so so much right yeah, that, that you've been through yeah so if you don't mind sharing a bit um because I think this would be interesting for the listeners to sort of understand how sometimes um an endo patient or a person that has endo it's hard to say patient because it sounds so negative right it's yeah. um yeah but so if you have endo and you're functioning right so like you're sitting here in front of me and like you look 100% fine because it's not something that we can see right you don't have a scar like in your face that i can tell there's something wrong that it's like exactly. obvious that something is happening so it's so challenging sometimes for people that never even had like a period cramp to understand what you yeah. go through. So how was like traveling? I was going to ask you that and you you brought it um you brought it up. So I wanted to know if you can sort of unpack that a bit more for us to understand like what would be your day to day and yeah. yeah, if you can just explain to us and then how did you deal with that and also not have like uh emotionally as well being away from your family and your um close friends and not having any anyone very close to to share this the struggles with yeah well I have done quite a, like I said I've done quite a bit of traveling over um, a certain amount of years I've gone to Europe twice and I did a field school um, recently well 2019 mm-hmm. uh, to Cambodia and Vietnam it, it's hard And, you know, I think the hardest part about it is the slack that you get from your friends and family Mm -hmm. because, you know, oh, well, why couldn't you come to dinner, but you can go traveling across the world? Mm -hmm. Well, this is our life, right? We live with pain regardless if we're home or if we're traveling. So I might as well be making the most of my good days. And if I can travel and I feel good enough traveling, then... I want to do that. Um, I've had some scary, scary experiences, like I said, um, where, you know, I started bleeding, like heavy, heavy bleeding, hadn't bled for a very long time randomly like that. Um, That was one of the biggest symptoms for me was heavy bleeding. But since Mm -hmm. I was suppressed with all these hormones while I was traveling, I didn't have that. And I think that my body finally just had enough of you know, being suppressed and it just unleashed everything at once. Um, And, you know, I I missed out on some things when I was there, but, you know, that's kind of part of the journey. You miss out on things at home. You miss out on things when you're traveling. It's just kind of part of it. And also the other thing too, is you kind of, 
you push yourself through things that you want to go through. Um, you know, if a friend invites you out for dinner and you're feeling ill, it's a little bit easier to cancel because you know that you can go for dinner the next day or maybe Mm -hmm. next week. But when you get the opportunity to travel, this is a once in a lifetime thing. So I found myself a lot of times pretty much drugging myself up so that I could even stand or walk. And, you know, it is hard and it's harder when you are traveling with people who don't understand your illness or don't even know about your illness, because I did hide it from pretty much everybody when I was on this trip. Um, But my most recent trip, people did know uh, that I had endometriosis. I was kind of in that part of my life where, you know, this is what I have. I want people to know, and I want people to know how to support me and others with chronic illness. And I had the most amazing support team from my professors that came with us to friends, to even acquaintances on the trip that I didn't know beforehand, uh, helping me, uh, if I felt ill, like I remember one day we were at Angkor Wat in Cambodia And it was 50 degrees Celsius. It was like the hottest that they've ever had. And I had this insane flare up. And this whole day was walking like kilometers and kilometers and kilometers of walking. And there's a picture of me just like wrapped in a blanket, profusely sweating. My face is swollen and I'm just chugging water because I had just been throwing up. And, you know, they, they asked me, you know, you need to go back to the hotel. You need to go rest. We have a huge day. We have a huge trip ahead of us. And I was like, no, nope, I'm not. I'm just going to take some medicine and I'm going to be right behind you because I'm not missing out on this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that's a great comparison, like the dinner or different occasions that with people that would understand you and that you can also postpone tomorrow or next week versus an activity that if if you miss out, you miss out that that is it. Yeah. So we just push, we push through. Yes. I wanted to um, go on to the, the skating and share with us a bit how, again, how was that experience? I think you mentioned something when we talked before about how the, when you're, when you're doing some kind of sports or um, activity, especially like a heavy training that seemed like the style that you were doing, that yeah. your body releases um, hormones as well that can suppress symptoms and uh, or, or or suppress pain, right? Or um, how can I say? Hide yeah. sort of hide the yeah. pain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, well, it's it's known that you know people who train, um, especially when you're going hardcore, Mm -hmm. um, they release so many endorphins that it just, it completely masks your symptoms. Um, maybe not completely, but might just make it a little bit less evident that you're having these symptoms or you're able to push through them a little bit easier. Um, yeah, so I, I didn't start skating when I was young. I, I learned to skate and I was like, oh, why can't I be doing the big jumps? I don't want to be just skating in circles. I want to do the big jumps. So I quit. Um, And I tried pretty much every sport in the book since then. I was a very athletic kid. My brother joined hockey and I was spending so much time at the ice rink that I was like, you know what? I'm going to do those jumps that I wanted to do when I was a kid. So I joined skating and I had this insane push to, you know, get to the level that the girls my age were at. And it's hard because there's this jump, it's called the axle. And it's the jump that 
once you land that, everything else kind of comes a little bit easier after that, but it takes forever to learn this jump. And I landed it within a few months. And I'm talking usually years of practice for this jump. But I was just so adamant that I was going to be good at this sport. And I did. I got really good at it. And then I started experiencing the pain and I was missing out uh, because of doctor's appointments and then eventually had my surgery. Um, And my surgery, I... I remember having the surgery and then two weeks later we had our ice show and yeah. And I was like, I I don't want to miss out on this. Uh, This is like my favorite time of the year. I, and I think it was actually my graduating year as well. So it was a super important uh, time for me. And I did, I went out and I still had my, my stitches in my incisions and I did my jumps and I definitely shouldn't have done this, but this is a kid, right? Like this is someone who loves the sport, doesn't really care the uh, repercussions that it's going to have on your body, but I seem to be okay. Uh, That was kind of my motto, you know, like, even though I was in pain, it kind of drove, like drove me to be able to have that extra little bit of push, like, oh, I'm in pain, like, I'm going to whip into this jump and make it bigger and better. And it was an outlet for my pain. Um, But it kind of got to a point where at competitions and stuff, I would, I would sit in my hotel room uh, until I had to go to the rink and skate. So I'd end up missing out on a lot of my friends. And I actually got bullied for it um they didn't understand what I was going through and this was these were parents these weren't even my friends that were bullying me these were parents calling me out in front of everybody asking why I wasn't there to support my friends that what I was going through couldn't be that bad um that I'm skating so how could I justify not being able to sit and watch and you know, that just struck a chord. And I wish I could go back to that time and just tell those people off because I would now. Um, And nobody at that age who's struggling with that much chronic illness while trying to graduate high school and while trying to make provincials for figure skating should not have to go through that extra bullying and from adults who should know better. I know, Um, eh? That sounds horrible. Yeah. It was a tough time, (laughs) but I got through it. You should just you should just pick an uh, endometriosis awareness um, leaflet or something. Yeah, and just like slide it under their doors or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. So tough, but it's it's hard when you don't like you said, right? You're so young and going through something that you don't even understand, yeah. right? It's yeah, it can be so hard. When you hear about bullying with within kids, you're like, oh, you know, kids are just young and dumb and whatever. But but adults doing that to like a young teenager is just yeah. unbelievable. Well, exactly. And and not looking into, you know, what's causing this. Like I mm-hmm. could see if I was just sitting in my hotel room, not caring about my friends, that's different. Yeah. But I care so much about my friends. They are, you know, my family, right? So to be accused of this and in front of honestly, probably about 30 or 40 people like yelled across the arena it was traumatizing and then I had to go skate my program after that um, that. in front of all of those people so it was just like one of those things that is not not acceptable yeah no um so can we talk a little bit about the mental health aspect so you did talk about that um you mentioned it 
pinpointed through your through your journey and where you know now, now you're older now you understand your condition better right the things behind yeah. it and also the how the system works and and how society just doesn't understand this issue mm-hmm. which is one of the biggest reasons why we're sitting across from well ish across from yeah. each other to to talk about it and try to put this information out there how do you how do you take care of yourself through that yeah well you know it, it's taken a lot for me i suffer with depression and anxiety um and i think that the anxiety stemmed from my endometriosis i think that having people not believe me always wondering what people are thinking of me you know gaining weight uh, unexpectedly from medications i'm on things like that or you know wondering what they think when i say i can't come do they think i'm using it as an excuse do they wonder mm-hmm. how bad it actually is that i it couldn't be that bad um those are things that run through your head when you have a chronic illness and I think that, you know, whether people are diagnosed with depression or anxiety, I think that it exists for pretty much everybody with chronic illness. I think that there's that, that um, lonely feeling, right? Um, but, you know, now I've, I've gotten to a point actually during COVID, um, one good thing about COVID, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, I've been by myself a lot throughout this, um, this year because, you know, you can't see your friends, yeah. you can't see your family. And I've really put more value in myself. And I think that that it sounds so cliche, but that that's the first step, you need to know that you're the most important person in your world. Um, if you aren't there, mm-hmm. there's no world, right? Like for yeah. you, like that's you. So I've really focused on that. I focused on putting I put my energy into everybody, but I focused this last year on putting my energy into people who put their energy into me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also really important. People who ask about endometriosis rather than, you know, you feeling like you're forcing all of the information on them. Those are people that you want in your close circle. The ones who are asking how they can help you, asking how they can support you, asking what endometriosis is, and even sharing it to their friends and family, which I think is so important. And it's a lot to ask, but you know, I would do it for them. If one of my friends had something like this or something similar, I would be advocating for them. I'd be making sure that they're okay. So I think surrounding yourself with people who do that for you is the most important. And then everything else kind of falls into place again, cliche, but it kind of does. Um, And, you know, I I still have off days, obviously, and days where my pain is just so bad and it feels relentless, but I think that focusing on self-care and focusing on what you need in that moment, whether it's support or maybe just some pizza or something like Mm -hmm. that, like just treating yourself like you would treat like your significant other or your best friend, if they were in pain, how would you treat them? Treat yourself that way. And I think that that is the most important thing for me with all the mental health. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I relate to so much of that even though infertility doesn't cause you physical pain per se. Oh. Um, unless you have endometriosis and infertility or infertility due to endometriosis. Then yeah. you have everything, the full package. But um, there may be some things that 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 do, right? Fibroid cysts, etc. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is mental, and I find my sort of bubble of 
friends or just, you know, people that I, that I really invested my time. Like you said, you know, you put your energy on people that, that put energy into your life as well. Right. It's a, Mm -hmm. it's an exchange that changed a lot and that bubble decreased quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and, and now it's, getting bigger and it has been growing a little bit since uh also my mental state got better yeah because then you feel like okay you know I can talk to more people about it but I can relate so much to what you said about the people that are curious that ask about it and they truly ask you like how you're doing yeah not just like oh hey how are you doing today not like that like actually like how are you today you know, Mm -hmm. and can I do something for you? And, and they want to know how things work and how they can support. Like that is just huge. It is. And those are, are, they're not, um, they're not a lot (laughs) that are usually in, in that circle. So it's nice to train. That's such good advice. I really, I really like that. Um, can you share a bit about, um, how when you sort of sort of goes ties a bit to what you were just saying now with the people communicating with you on your closer circle but you did mention that you have helped people um, yeah. sort of get diagnosed and stuff can you go into that a little bit and how that happened just give maybe an, an example or another yeah um so again like I said growing up in a small town uh the education really wasn't there and also like I mean, I'm not that old, but I think that like (laughs) social media wasn't really um, a platform that was used to educate on, on this kind of stuff. Um, So having people around me ask questions and then eventually I had some people come up to me and ask me, you know, like what, what is this endometriosis? Can you explain the symptoms a little bit more? And so, you know, of course I, I would explain to the best of my ability. I'm much more educated on it now. Um, but some of these close friends, they went to high school with me. They did music theater with me. Uh, someone is my cousin. All these people have come up to me and asked me like, what is endometriosis? I have X, Y, and Z for symptoms and I don't know what to do. Um, and so one of my close friends actually, uh, messaged me about it, told me her symptoms. And I said, of course, like, I'm not a medical professional. I can't give that advice, but I, you know, I told her, you know what, like, it does sound like you have endometriosis or something similar. Um, there's obviously something going on regardless if it's not endometriosis. Uh, you can't be in this much pain all the time. Your symptoms are not normal. Um, And she eventually went into the doctor. She had suspected endometriosis and she recently just received her surgery and she did uh, excision and they actually um, unbinded a part of her ovary from her abdominal wall. Um, So this girl woman, (laughs) uh, she was a girl at the time and now a woman, um, (laughs) but she, she went through all of this um, and she, she thanked me profusely. It made me cry. Um, And that experience has had so much impact on me. That's one of the main reasons I wanted to start my Instagram page. That's one of the main reasons um, I want to advocate for this disease because it's not just an outlet for me, but it's also a place that people can get educated and not just people, but people who might have endometriosis that have no idea what's wrong with them or that there even is something wrong with them. Um, And I just think it's important 
to have all the knowledge beforehand um, so that you can be fully equipped in your journey of helping your body heal. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I take sort of two sort of pockets of advice maybe that mm-hmm. people can like take away from what you just said. One is, you know, if you're struggling with something, whatever it is in your life, and you feel comfortable with it and, and empowered enough, share it. Because mm-hmm. you never know who's going to be around you that's, that needs to hear that. And even down the road, maybe a year from now, maybe five, maybe 10 years from now, they're going to have maybe something and be like, oh, you know what? Right? Bianca mentioned yeah. this. Kiana mentioned that she had something similar. I'm going to look into this or whatever, right? And exactly. then they just they just get better or improve or whatever it is. Because we all go through our own yeah shit load of shit in life so there's that and then there's the other part which is your your friend or um you mentioned your cousin yeah or someone that maybe comes across all of these amazing accounts like yours that are providing education and just reach out reach out Mm -hmm. right because we're there to to help and share and then even like you said you know you're not providing any medical advice the same with me I'm I talk about infertility I could sit and talk about my experience and everything that I've been through and that I know of infertility until like the cows come home and (laughs) and I'm no medical um, expert at all but that's what people can relate to it's the Mm -hmm. personal like human experience right that is so important exactly and I think that no matter what your journey is uh like you with infertility me with endometriosis like I think that I think that you really need to know before you go into a doctor's office you need to be equipped because yeah. your doctor's office appointment might be 15 minutes and this is a lifelong journey for you. So you need to know what to talk to the doctor about. You need to know what to ask. It's like a like rapid fire, like mm-hmm. quick question. And it, it shouldn't be that way. I hope that in the future, maybe appointments will be an hour or two hours or, you know, ideally so that they can get the full story, get the gist for the patient and really help these people. But, you know, we just don't have um, that kind of care yet. And I don't know if we ever will. So in the meantime, we just, as patients, we need to advocate for ourselves. Um, and I think that following pages like this, um, listening to other people's stories and really getting an understanding for what your body is going through is the first step for sure. Yeah. And, and, um, not feeling guilty to like express your, your symptoms and share your uh, physical pain or emotional pain, because you, you know, these things that society tells us that were even the the medical system, Mm -hmm. they tell us that's normal and it's not yeah exactly. <laughs> like you're like you're telling your friend I don't know what you have maybe it's endo maybe it's not but it's not normal Let's it's not normal go look into it yeah it made me think as you were talking how like at least specialist appointments should be longer right yeah like we're blessed in Canada and I don't know much about other provinces you're in um, BC I'm in Ontario but we have a public um, free health care yeah well free we pay our taxes so yeah. it's not it's not like it uh, it's a hundred percent free but it's it's a great system overall but when you mm-hmm. look at like when you zoom in there's still a lot to be 
to improve on. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking about, I see a homeopath in Brazil. So the, yes. my homeopathic doctor that has treated me since I was a baby, he's a pediatrician and a homeopath and he's amazing. And our, so I do now, and now it's even easier to do like online consultations because he's doing that with everyone before yeah. I was probably the, the only one he did it with since I moved to Canada. But he, you know, he's just asking a million questions. Mm-hmm. I don't even have to ask many questions. I do. I usually have a little list of things that I want to either share or ask him, but he's asking all the questions, which pretty much answers the questions that I had on my list, right? As I, as we go through it. And then in the end, he's like, okay, is there anything else you want to talk about? And I'm like, no, I'm like breaking my brain because the consultation was so detailed. And he's like, Bianca, just take a minute. Is there anything else? And I'm like, no, there isn't. I think we're good. And it's like, ask me three times. I'm like, this never happens yeah. here. Never. Who is this? Pinch me. I'm dreaming. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, true. It is. It's like the dream um, consultation scenario. Yeah. So yeah, maybe one day. And everything, a lot of things need to change for us to, for us to get there. But, you know, one of, one of them is having conversations like this. Yeah. So um, let's go into your Instagram account. So share with us um, when you started it. You can share your handle as well. We'll go through um, some of that also in the end. And all of that is going uh, to be shared on the details of the episode and the notes. But anything you want to share and also like, what are you, what are your plans? What are your Mm -hmm. thoughts behind the account? You shared some wonderful things with me already. So I would love for you to just say that. So the listeners know. Yeah. So I, I started my account in mid January. So it's only been about two and a half months and it's grown so amazingly. And, you know, I'm not about the, the number of followers, uh, but I am in the sense of the amount of people that I'm reaching, the amount of people yeah. that I am hopefully influencing or um, educating or, you know, just being an inbox for other people who are going through this or don't know if they're going through this or their friend is going through this and they don't want to ask them questions. So they they ask me and it's given me like a whole new purpose, it feels like. I've always been that kind of person that I want to um, help change. And when it's as personal as endometriosis, um, it definitely, uh, resonates a little bit differently. Um, so yeah, like my page, I, I just wanted to spread awareness about the disease, what it is, um, my journey through it. Um, you know, topics of gaslighting, topics of what's normal in a period, what's not normal in a period. I actually have some followers that were my previous figure skating uh, students, and they're in their teenage years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the important age for these girls. And, you know, they really need that extra little bit of help because they're not getting it in their school system. So, and, you know, it's also for my friends. I I don't want... to uh, tell them, you know, every time that I'm going to the doctor or mm-hmm. every time that I have a new symptom, um, when they ask me how I am, I don't want to be like, oh, I'm throwing up. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's a way for me to, you know, if they want to know, they can know. Um, and, you know, that's kind of how I've, I've really um, 
helped me find my people as well, right? Like the ones who do want to know, they message me or they, you know, they join on my live or they, you know, they just support me. And I think that is the most important. Um, I've also found so many people, uh, you included, like this, (laughs) this community is just so big and so versatile. Um, it has people with all sorts of illnesses. I follow people with PCOS and endomyosis and yeah. infertility and Lyme's disease and MS. And, you know, I'm learning things myself about these diseases and how complicated they are. And, you know, the behind the curtain uh, symptoms, just like my disease. So it's helping me as well. Um, I've also learned just so much more. Obviously, I knew what endometriosis was and my experience and others experience and I was helping people. But I've had the opportunity to uh, attend the World Summit for Endometriosis and really talk to and listen to a ton of leading professionals and patients and advocates and policymakers. Um, And it's just given me that extra little uh, spring in my step. Um, It really makes me want to make Canada and hopefully the rest of the world. I know this is a big goal, Mm -hmm. but I think it's all of our goal to make it a better place for people who are struggling with reproductive health, um, especially um, because it is a hard one. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like you mentioned too, like we share and as we're sharing and and people are gaining information from our stories, Mm -hmm. we are also healing Mm -hmm. ourselves, right? Yeah. So I think that's, it's such a win-win in that exchange. I remember when I started writing about my journey too, Mm -hmm. it was like everyone was giving me feedback as I was showing it to to my friends and family and like oh you should post that like people are going to relate to it and so many so many people are going to feel much better and not alone and I was thinking I'm like yeah that's that's great but also like this is also for me Mm -hmm. right so it's it's such a it's such a beautiful exchange that way and I think like you said um before when you were I know you're still so young but when you were younger and and going through the beginning of this there social media wasn't Mm -hmm. so much there for education right now we're we're like just using googling hashtags well googling we're instagramming hashtags (laughs) in um just on the app right away to just find accounts and find stories and information people are on facebook reading the news which i'm not sure is probably the best idea but it's it's just it took such a uh, an importance within within education and information Mm -hmm. especially when we're dealing with personal stories right yeah which I think is a big issue with endo is the and you can correct me if I'm Mm -hmm. if I'm wrong or add to it it's the the the, what doctors are dealing with not dealing with this is not let me rephrase that the way doctors are dealing with it Mm -hmm. is the way that endo is written on whatever two paragraphs of the of their textbook yeah and endo is like it's like the person that's in front of you and every case is different well yeah and let me add the textbook is from this like the early 1900s it's not even from recent um yeah like 
I don't know, until recently, they believed that it was retrograde menstruation. And it's completely not that. And, you know, like, I've had multiple doctors recently as well, like within the last year or two, tell me that that's what it is. And that's not the definition of the disease. Um, And like you said, like, it is, it's completely different per person, like, my neighbor could have it and not know until they go to conceive children and they're unable to conceive children and they go in and they look and they might have way worse endometriosis than I do and no pain, but I might have barely visible endometriosis and excruciating, excruciating pain. And it's also a whole body disease. Um, They're just, it's so sad. Like they're, they've known about endometriosis since the 1800s and they are only just starting to realize the implementations it has on your brain, um, on the rest of your body, on your immune system. Um, They're looking into uh, it being an autoimmune disease or Mm -hmm. affecting your immune system. Um, And just mental health, of course, right, too. Um, So it is a whole body disease. You shouldn't just be treated by one gynecologist. You should be treated by a team, and they should be looking at your whole body and making sure that any of your symptoms aren't connected, and if they are, they treat them in a good way, right? And that's hard to find a doctor that has that. Yeah, that is like the the specialist and that can gather this sort of team together. So how is your – where are you exactly now – on your on your healing journey so you mentioned a specialist here in Toronto as well that you're that you're in touch with so how does that work you being so far away (laughs) yeah I know um so like I said after I did the endometriosis summit I kind of got this drive um for better care for myself um Mm. I had recently been offered a surgery by a gynecologist in Vancouver and like I said she's amazing but she even admitted like, this isn't my specialty. So that's a red flag, people. If you (laughs) hear that, say thank you for your time, but I'm going elsewhere. Um, But that's very good though. Very honorable of her to say that. Very honorable. Yeah. Yeah. So I decided to look elsewhere. I kind of felt like I was starting from scratch again. Mm. Um, You know, my symptoms were acting up. Certain medications weren't working for me. I tried Oralissa, which I regret. Um, Just so many different things. So I went to my local GP and he honestly is one of the most amazing doctors I've ever met. I wish Mm. that he was a specialist in endo because I know (laughs) that he would be the best person to treat it. Um, He, like my appointments with him are so long, so thorough. Again, kind of like you were saying with your, uh, doctor from back in Brazil, yeah. uh, just so thorough, you know, asks, I haven't seen him for a year or two, asks me about my tourism, uh, degree. Aww. Like, how do you even remember, remember. that? <laughs> um, and so I went to him and I just said, Hey, like I am at my wits end. like, I need this surgery. I'm not doing any more medication. I'm not doing any more hormones. I am absolutely done with this. I want to feel better. I'm 24. I feel like I'm wasting my twenties away feeling sick. And, you know, by the time this whole Corona thing is done, I want to be in a position where I'm able to live my life to the best of my ability. Um, cause I know that, you know, even after surgery, sometimes it can't go away, but, um, he referred me to a local gynecologist as support in the meantime, and then also a referral to a doctor in Toronto at McMaster university. Mm -hmm. They have, yeah, they have an endometriosis clinic there, um, 
and they have a full practice with uh, chiropractors, a pain doctor. Nice. Um, and then they can, they can also, if you have thoracic uh, endometriosis or, you know, in any other part of your body, they'll find it and they'll be able to bring that specialist into the surgery as well. So this is literally after so much research is the only doctor, in my opinion, that I personally will trust with my health. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't even met him yet, but mm-hmm. I feel like, I don't know. I'm just really hopeful. Of course you have to be. Um, and if this doesn't work out, I will be going elsewhere, probably United States or the UK. Um, but I, I'm pretty positive it will help. And I'm pretty positive that I'm in the right hands. Excellent. Oh, that's yeah. good. I think that's a perfect place to just sort of wrap up. Is there anything else that you want to share that you are planning to do anything on your account or otherwise? Yeah, so I am not quite at a thousand followers, but I will be soon, hopefully, uh, if people keep liking all of my stuff. Um, But uh, at a thousand followers, I'm going to do a giveaway. I've had a couple of companies uh, that are more than willing and excited to partner with me. Um, One is Luteal out of Vancouver, and they're an amazing, amazing company. Uh, Definitely give them a follow. And then also I am working with the EEOC, which is the Endometriosis Education Organization of Canada. And they are there to focus on education, to shift endometriosis culture in Canada. And they're also a federal non-for-profit and they're working for charity status. Um, I'm working on the marketing board with them. They are amazing. Um, Like it's been so good. It's been good on a personal level and it's been good on um, an educational level. I'm learning a lot. Plus marketing is where I want to be with my career uh, in Mm -hmm. tourism. So it's a very good opportunity for me to uh, get some practice and also work for, you know, change in education and policy um, and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's really exciting. Oh, that sounds lovely. Yeah. We'll share all of those on the notes so people can can follow and of course follow your account so we get you to a thousand as soon as possible yes well so that we can do this giveaway honestly I'm telling you it's it's great sounds exciting yes giveaways there have been so many giveaways this month yeah I actually won one from Endo Canada those oh amazing yeah I never win anything so shout out to Endo Canada I was so happy yeah great so that was great can thank you so much for your time thank you um, you are yeah you're just beautiful I love your account and like what you're doing already and what you're aim to do with it thank and you. with your time so I am very very pleased to have met you and to Me be able too. to share your story um, that will be coming out tomorrow yeah, the super first exciting. time that I can say this because I actually know exactly that it is going to come out tomorrow. So, um, yeah, we'll be in touch. And, you know, if you need anything, I am here and we'll just keep the conversation going. Perfect. Yes. And same to you. Thank you so much. And I'm so happy to have met you. This has been a great experience. That's great. Thank you. Okay, so I hope you guys enjoyed that. It was like, it, 
never ceases to amaze me how really every person's journey is so, so different, even if they're struggling of the same illness, condition, disease, whatever you want to call it. And endometriosis is just like, it's a beast of many masks and we do need to listen to all these stories because people might just feel like comforted by listening to someone's individual way to deal with it or individual symptoms, individual approaches from doctors, etc. So I hope that this was a nice conversation to listen to, educational. If you feel like someone would benefit from this, like we talked about on the conversation, that the more people understand and learn, the more we can help each other and support each other. So share this with everyone and anyone and check the notes as well. And please follow Kiana so we can get her to a thousand followers so she can do that amazing giveaway that she's planning. And yes, just be in touch, please. Um, If you're not following it, please do subscribe to the podcast if you can so it can get downloaded onto your device as soon as it comes out. And if you have the chance to follow on either um, Apple Podcast or Podbean Podcast, um, the apps I meant, just please do so. Leave me a loving message. Leave Kiana a loving message. We all need it. Have a lovely, beautiful week, and I will see you next Tuesday. This podcast wouldn't be up and running if it wasn't for the help of a few very special people. You can find my special thanks to them all at myfertilityjourney.ca. And if you want to keep in touch, find me on Instagram on at myfertilityjourney.ca. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, leave a review to support the show and share it with anyone you think might benefit from it. Love you all and I'll see you soon.